Thanks for listening to our podcast. How's this for ironic? Last month's winner of our Peterson Toyota Post of the Month on our message boards also just so happened to buy a new Jeep from Peterson recently. So not only does he have a sweet new ride, but he has some sweet new Ram swag to adorn it with. Congrats, Dow Ram. Thank you for supporting RamNation.com, and especially thank you for supporting Peterson Toyota. They are a great Ram Nation partner. They've been proudly serving the Fort Collins, Windsor, Loveland, and surrounding areas since 1968. They are a family-owned and operated business. They're committed to making the car buying and service experience smooth and stress-free with friendly, accommodating staff in all departments. When you purchase a vehicle from Peterson, your exceptional experience starts with Toyota Care, a no-cost maintenance plan with 24-hour roadside assistance. And when it's time for factory-scheduled maintenance or repairs, Peterson's express service ensures you're in and out quickly and that your car is running optimally. If you are in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota a first shot of your business. Thanks and enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Canalamessa. I'm joined by Mike Rowe, legendary Cam's Chorizo. And guess what else? Uh, Fire the Cannon. We're also joined by Brian Roth, the voice of the CSU Rams. We'll have a great conversation today about CSU football, as good as you can have about CSU football. Uh, and then we'll also, of course, talk CSU basketball, since we are a basketball school. How are you guys doing? Good. What's happening? Brian, I like your little man cave there. It looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. This this thing uh, went up uh, during COVID, so. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I, love, I love the barn doors in the back. That's awesome. Yeah. What's yeah. behind there? Those are nice. It's what's well, that's the rest of the basement. I'm in the basement. My wife relegated me to the basement down here. So this is my domain. And uh, there's a lot of times I'm just down here for hours and hours and hours. She has to come down and say, are, are you, you coming up at any point? <laughs> I'm working while well, there's football happens, in the background. Every time we record, my wife is like, <laughs> what are you doing? How can you possibly still be going? But um, well, at least things are encouraging from a basketball standpoint. We'll get to that later. But football has been a bit of a disaster. We see some small improvements. I think you guys can agree. We're seeing some things better. We're seeing us move the ball a little bit better. I think that there are some other positives, like the team competes and they care. Uh, that's that's a positive. I love that. I appreciate that about this team. But there's so many mistakes. Uh, there's lack of execution at key times. There's um, big turnovers at key times. Some strange decisions by the staff. You know, all those combinations have led to losses in games that we could have won. And, you know, at least in in four of our conference losses, we could have and even could argue we should have won those. Uh, but the mistakes in red zone debacles have led to losses. He had the 17-13 loss to Utah State, 28-16 to loss to San Jose State. Uh, and Wyoming last night, four, uh, what, 14-13, or not last night, uh, this weekend, 14-13. I mean, there's some... Those were games there for the taking. You could have you could have five conference wins right now if you just kind of take care of business there, play a little bit better. But um, how how are you guys feeling after yet another gut punch Saturday night? <laughs> Mike, you want to you want to start on this? <laughs> oh man, wow, it was it was brutal. And I do want to say, as a fan, it sucks, but it's nothing compared to what the players and the staff are going through. So. I think I think sometimes as fans we get carried away and, and some of the players take unnecessary shots from uh, from so-called fans and, and they're hurting they're hurting just as worse than we are I mean hell they're they're the ones getting beat up on the field not us we're the ones that's just standing in the on the uh, in the stands having a beer or whatever we're getting, we're getting our livers getting beat up I'll tell you that yeah <laughs> that, that is true that is true. Oh, it was it was it was a gut punch. Um, you know, three three key mistakes that at really that cost us the game. You know, the interception thrown into I don't I don't know. It was two games in a row that this happened where we had two receivers in the same spot, which means we have two defenders in the same spot, and we throw interceptions in the red zone. Then the muff punt, and, and then obviously the the final, the miss, the missed field goal, and that cost the game. You know, we're not a good enough team that we can have those kind of errors and overcome them. And and we see we saw that at San Jose State. 
We saw that at home against Utah State. We just we can't overcome those kind of mistakes, and we have to figure out how how to minimize those. And you know, it, it, it's tough. It's it's heartbreaking as a fan to watch. It it, it sucks losing to anybody, but especially Wyoming. So, well, yeah, probably we're, we're yeah. You, you made some of these comments on the broadcast or the um, the yeah the, the radio broadcast that I went back and listened to parts of and. And, you know, you guys kind of made mention of the fact that we really, I don't know if you call it dominated, but you, you led in, in all uh, uh, offensive categories. Yeah. Uh, defense was really, really good. Um, you just wonder when you look at the, the comparative stats, how in the world did we lose the game? Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that, that one really hurts. I mean, it, it, I mean, there's only been a handful of times where the game ends and then we go to a commercial break. And then I know we have about 30, 45 minutes of a post-game show. And where I was just like, I'm ready to pack up. I'm going to get out of here. Like, I, I don't even I don't even have anything to say right now. It was a 2017 home game against Boise where they blew the 14-point lead in the final two and a half minutes and lost 59-52 in OT. And I just wanted to walk away. And then and then Saturday night, I mean, I was just, just that, that feeling of devastation. And you're sitting there watching those Wyoming fans conjugate at the south end of the stadium there and, and just watching the Wyoming players run around. I mean, it, it, it was painful to, to me as a, as just a, just a radio broadcaster. And I'm looking over at Ricky Brewer and Ricky was seething. And of course, you know, that's a former player right there now who has seen it from a, from, you know, the good and the bad on the field. And so if that's what I'm feeling, I imagine that's what, what Ricky's feeling is, is more. And then you imagine what Mike had said, what the players are feeling down on the field as they're walking off, having to look at those Wyoming fans. And that was just a tough, tough game. I mean, it's just excruciating of a, of a loss is, you know, it's in the top five within the last decade for sure. And yeah, I mean, Joel, you go back and you look at the stats and, and they favor Colorado state. And they're just, to me, there were so many opportunities in that game where I, th- I thought if you scored, Wyoming was going to have a really hard time to win. And and I'd even go back to the first half in the second quarter when that interception and, and you know, again, first down and 10 at the 18-yard line for CSU, you're up 10 nothing. If you find a way to go up 17 nothing right there, I, I mean, again, I know there's a lot of time left. You have probably, what, 40-ish minutes left in that game of, of, of game time, but I, I just, with the way our defense is playing, I don't think Wyoming's coming back from a 17 nothing lead there. 13-0, maybe they're coming back. But all of a sudden, interception's thrown. And you just see that Wyoming sideline just rise up, right? But CSU was really over, able to overcome that. And then you look at uh, you know CSU in that fourth quarter, and and uh, you have it first and goal in the eight-yard line, and you know, you're up uh, by the count of 10-7. And, and I really believed at that point, 17-7 probably wins you that football game. And of course, Colorado State has those red zone problems, and we can go deeper into that. I was doing some research for the game against Air Force on Saturday, and it just the, the the numbers are incredible. I mean, in a bad way, just incredible. But I think if you go up seventeen seven there, you 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 probably win that game. I don't I don't think Wyoming comes back and wins that game. But you have to kick the field goal. Well, what does the defense come out and do after you go up thirteen seven? They get a three and out, and then of course you get the punt return, and that is where it's just like. Man, those are just obviously mistakes that a team like CSU, the roster that CSU has right now, just just can't overcome. I mean, the margin is so thin for CSU that you're just not going to overcome that type of stuff. And, you know, God bless Tory Horton. I mean, CSU's probably, you know, not up 13-7 at that point if it's not for Tory Horton. He was phenomenal, and uh, I felt so bad for that young man. But, gosh, it just it just – it hurt. I mean, it hurt because at 13-7, I still thought CSU had a really good – certainly above an 80% chance to win that game. And then obviously, boom, that thing turns in a second. And at 14-13, I, 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 of course, this may be the, 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 the PTSD Ram fan in me. Like, you guys maybe thought the same team. I thought it was over. Like, 14-13, I was like, oh, God, this is over. I mean, you know? I mean, but, you know, obviously we had a chance to kick a 40-yard field goal to go in front with about four and a half minutes left, and, and of course, that didn't go in either. The, that interception in the end zone obviously was the huge, huge turning point, and, and that's that's part of where I've gotten frustrated is you've got a, an offense that's really struggled in the red zone. You've an, an offense that's prone to mistakes. 
Um, and you get the ball there on first down and we're throwing the ball on first down, you know, into the end zone, 18 yard pass into the end zone on first down. And you've had an Avery Morrow who's running the ball extremely well, getting chunk yards, putting you at like second and four, almost every time, second and five, you know, every time. And I just don't understand what we're doing. Something and that's and granted now that this is, this is hindsight is 2020 because half the time we're, com we're complaining that we're not passing the ball enough in the red zone. But I just felt like in that situation, I'm like, look, I even turned to my buddy, John Baller, who I sit with at every game. And I was like, bro, I would be ecstatic to get points here. Give me three points, just, but feed Avery Morrow, give him the first two carries of this possession or of this series of downs and see what we can do. And the first he drops back the pass pick and we looked at each other like, oh my God, here's the turning point. And that was a big one. And then, and then you had, what was the other one um, in the second quarter, I believe um, where was it the second quarter? Or was it the third quarter? I think it was when um, Clay Millen had just scrambled and picked up a big chunk. We're going to the North end zone and Tory Horton got called for a block in the back, which moved yeah. the, that, that was, that was big. Cause I think he had the ball down about the 10 yard line. And we're looking yeah. to punch it in again there. Uh, and it was 10, nothing at that point, I believe. And then uh, that, that was the the drive that we missed. Well, we settled for a field goal there. Is that what we yeah. did? Yeah. yeah so, I think it was seven, nothing at that point. Yeah. Seven up. So, okay. So seven, nothing. And then we had to settle for three. So, so there, I mean, those are two really key mistakes in the red zone yet again, that, that kill you. And then of course you had a missed field goal in the red zone. Just man. There, there's yeah. just it's it's dagger after dagger yeah you know, one of the things that has bothered me on the, those two interceptions last week against san jose state and, and then wyoming is both times we had two receivers in the same spot i don't know if that's the design play and if it is that's on the coaches you know one of the things that when i did coach high school football having been there uh in a session with coach McElwain going over this. I mean, that's one of the things that he just hammered over and over again. Like you don't have two receivers in the same spot because then you have multiple defenders in the same spot. And it's, and it, I mean, we saw what happened, you know, say with, with coach Hammerschmidt in his sessions, he talked about the same thing. Like, you know, when you're running those routes. So if that's a play call, cause it was one on the right side against San Jose state one on the left side against, Wyoming that's a play call why are we calling that play especially whenever you know our head coach wrote the book on wide receivers you know and if it's the players running the wrong routes why is that not being fixed because those are huge those were huge again you're talking about 17-0 Wyoming's not coming back from that okay they're just not uh that was a chance to take the lead against San Jose State the week before and it's we're making these same mistakes, and and in game ten, I don't feel like that should be happening. Yeah, well, and 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 just uh, I guess the 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 Millen interception, and I don't know, it was the third quarter against San Jose State. Uh, I did ask in in the end zone where they threw when it was another. Yeah. Uh, zero points in the red zone, right? Uh, they went to the red zone four times against San Jose State and came away with three points. I mean, not going to win a road game when you're a 24 point dog doing that. Um, I, I asked uh, Jay about that one, and he said that was uh, that was on the receiver. He didn't tell me what receiver. And I think you know that's that's part of the problem here. And 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 you look at the attrition and the roster numbers, and you look at what they're playing with uh, on the offensive end. And obviously, the offensive line has had its issues. And we all know about that, right? But but you look at the the receivers. You have Tory Horton, and then essentially you just have all freshmen, right? And and guys that are that are trying to get up to speed. Now these aren't guys that were here in the in the spring, right? These are all guys that 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 came here the summer and then got work here in the fall when when there was actually a, a wide receiver room that actually had had bodies, right? They had warm bodies in that wide receiver room. They don't have a lot of warm bodies in that wide receiver room anymore. So essentially you have Horton and then a bunch of dudes that had never played a snap of college football in their life going into this year. You know, Justice Ross Simmons, who, I mean, I, I think we're all, we all think is going to be probably a pretty darn good player for CSU yeah. already is. I mean, but you know, looking to next year, I'm really excited what he could do that. You have Lewis Brown, you have Makai Fox, and then got some walk-ons. I mean, we <laughs> Dane Olson's got a pass. Uh, 
I mean, who who else after that, right? I mean, like Dawson Menegetti, another walk-on. I mean, sure Ryan fans out there don't even know who that is. Like, uh, I mean, there's Justice McCoy who has been hurt a lot this year, and I mean, so I, I think Mike, the one of the one of the issues is that you just don't have anybody at wide receiver except for true freshman that even though yes we are in game number nine well that was game number 10 i guess but still you know that's still a steep learning curve and so you know i mean i i, I know jay norvell and matt mommy i imagine are just just going absolutely berserk especially after playing the last three years with with carson strong and romeo dobbs and cole turner and putting up 38 points per game well it, it, i like to ask you about this because you bring up a point about us being thin, but part of that is, and and I get that some purging of this team was required. Like we needed to get guys out that weren't buying in. Right. And, and just, Hey, if you're not committed, feel free to leave. Right. That kind of stuff. But I also don't know, you know, if this staff has done a great job at retaining guys that maybe were on the fence or guys, you know, just weren't sure of their role. I don't know. You can't just dismiss the number of players that we've dismissed without knowing the ramifications that it was going to have on the season. And you can't treat any season as a throwaway, you know, because you've got students, right. That, that, that you want to keep coming back this year and beyond. And you've got alumni and um, donors and you've got, you know, the fans and you've got most importantly, the seniors on the team, the student athletes that now we've gone through this team. Granted, we're going to have an accelerated um, growth, I think next year, because of this, you know, the guys that have been thrown in, but I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like it was too easy for us to dismiss a lot of players. Oh, in fact, some receivers, like you mentioned, were thin at receiver, but we had a couple of pretty good ones in there. At least one Dante Wright, who I feel could have been a help this year that, you know, do I know the background on why he left? No, but did he feel like he was going to be a key part of the offense? Obviously not, you know? So, I, I just don't know. You, know, you get guys like Rashad Ajayi, who's starting in West Virginia. You got multiple offensive linemen that were not really welcomed back that have gone on to, to play elsewhere. That would they have been a difference maker? I don't know, but our offensive line is so bad. I don't think that we're in a position to be dismissing any offensive linemen. So it's those kind of things. I just wonder, has the staff done this the right way? I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question. I, I don't, I don't know any of those conversations, Joel. I mean, I, I'm pretty tight to this football program, but I'm, I'm certainly not that tight to where you know I, I could even tell you what what's going on behind those walls on a daily basis, and and why a Ty McCullough decides to leave, why a Dante Wright uh, decides that he wants to go somewhere else. Uh, you know, a, a kid like Melquan Stovall, right, who comes over from Nevada, knows his offense, and then he's leaving. I mean, I think that was one Angel of those. King. Yeah, you know, Angel King who. I, from what I've been told with Angel, I think he's just done playing football together. Uh, his heart wasn't necessarily into it, but I mean, there's a bazillion reasons, right? That that a kid may want to leave the team in the middle of the season, but you know, and 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 could the staff have done a better job? Maybe. I mean, possibly. And and I think maybe at this point, looking back in hindsight, and and they can go back and and, and redo it from last spring. They 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 might have taken a different tacked on some kids um, because I, I don't think Jay or this coaching staff thought they would ever be in the position they are in right now. I mean, who could have seen this coming? I mean, I'm not, I'm not even talking about the record. I'm talking about the, the, the roster, the, the bones of this roster and, and the, the dearth of bodies at certain positions. So, you know, and, and, and as we all know, college football has changed radically within the last few years right with the with the one-time transfer rule and and then you know of course the 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 four games and keep your red shirt rule and and you know the transfer portal it's just it's just it's so different than it was even five years ago so there's a lot of things that go into that but you know it's it's interesting man it's is is there a little bit of blame to to put on the staff maybe i mean maybe i I don't know it it, it's i think every single kid is probably a a unique situation and, and they all have their own reasons Look, I, I believe that Jay Nobel is a good leader. I think he can and is changing the culture. You see guys buying in and playing hard. I also kind of, though, wonder about some of his in-game decisions. I mean, beyond the transfers and all that, you know, some of the scheme, the slow developing plays when you've got a poor offensive line. I mean, I've seen multiple. I saw in the game Saturday night where we had Torrey Horton running the fly down the sideline. Nobody else deep. So it was an easy 
easy read by the safety to provide help over the top. And Clay was going to Tory the whole way. Right? He was, that was the only option he was going with. He let it fly and, and the ball was uh, broken up out on the side. But, you know, other times that they send multiple guys deep and nobody underneath and it takes too long for Clay to find an open guy. There's no safety valve and, and, and he's sacked. There's other, there's times, and I've heard you guys talk about this in, in the broadcast, but, but there's times when you're not, you don't have max protection with an, a running back in obvious blitz situations, um, not starting with the formation to, to protect, not checking into it. And even one time against San Jose State, they checked out of max, max protection when the Spartans were bringing the house, which hmm. was just crazy. Um, you know, obviously the red zone, some of the play calling the red zone uh, has been pr- very disturbing. Um, you know, not not lining up under center. Mike and I talked about this last week, but not lining up under center, uh, going with the shotgun every snap, even on first and goal from the one. You know, can you not line up under center, sneak it, hand off, whatever? You know, it seems like a better option, especially when you've got an O line that can't hold the block much past an initial surge. Um, I don't think we've run like a gadget play all season to catch somebody off guard, something creative. I just can't recall anything like that. So Corey Horton threw it one time. What was that? Utah State. Yeah, that sounds right. You're right. Yeah, I think I, I think we got an interception against Utah State, like in the first possession, and we got it like at the 30 yard line, and yeah. Horton threw it to Mill, or I think to Mill, and it, it ended up being like a five yard gain. To, well, to there you Giles go. Pooler, wasn't it? But, yeah, it was, it was Giles Pooler. You're right. My bad. That's right. Millen wasn't playing. You're right. Giles Pooler. Well, yeah. there, there's one that we can remember off the top of our head. There may I mean, one, yeah, there another one. But I mean, this is a this. I don't know. Uh, maybe they're just like it's not worth the risk with this, this this group of guys. I don't know, but you know, I don't know. It's got me wondering why, with all the talent, you know, that Nevada had in recent years, they never won more than eight games. I mean, they. I don't know. I I I feel like I shouldn't be down yet on Jay. I know there's a lot of things working against the program right now, but I man, I was just thinking they're stewing on some things Saturday night. Like there, there's some questionable things that I'm, I, I don't want to get down on the staff yet. I really love Jay, uh, but I just, just wondering about what's going on in some of this in game stuff. Now, you, so you, you, you've obviously done every game for a while. What's the differences between this year and the last few years, you know, cause, because I'm not as down, obviously I'm not happy. It's not cool. Fun being a fan of a two and eight football team, but I see so much difference in the program and in the direction of the program. than I did at the end of 21, where our last five games, we just got smacked. We, the honestly, after that Utah state game, it seemed like the players were playing for the coach. I'll just put it that way. And then even going back to, to 2019, Bobo's last season, where same thing at the end of the season, at the end of the year, you could just tell that the, the program was the, the, that year was done. You know, the players were done. I'm not seeing that this year. I'm not seeing that across the board with anybody. I mean, mostly because they left, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they left in week three and four, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think this has a much different feel. And I, I, I think that locker room believes in Jay Norvell. I mean, all those dudes in there and, and, and are all in. Now, does that mean that all of them are going to stay? I mean, you know, you get into an off season, there's going to be a few more people leave the, 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 the roster. It's just the way it happens. I mean, it just, it's, it's college football. Right. But I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, I went back and, and looked at how CSU played Wyoming in previous years. Cause, cause I thought going into the game is like, we just got to match Wyoming's toughness and we'll have a chance to win this game. Because I think what Craig bull has brought to this rivalry since he's been here for nine years is a level of toughness that CSU has had trouble matching at times. And, you know, obviously now Wyoming's won six of seven games and, you know, I went back and looked and of course the 17, you know, Josh Allen, Came came with that huge drive late in the game, the snowstorm, and he he single handedly out toughed the Rams. 2018, uh, I have it on my spot chart here. Rams were outrushed 291 to 20 in a loss to to Wyoming. Right, uh, 2019, they got outrushed 192 to 48. Uh, 
you know, they won in 2020, right? But but then then last year uh, uh, under Steve Adazio, they got outrushed 385 to 170, right? And so there was that level of toughness that was missing. And so I, I that's what I liked about the game on Saturday. But in a big picture sense of things, I do think CSU is getting better despite the fact that that their roster has been depleted. And I, I think you have to hang your hat on that a little bit. And I, I get it. Two and eight, there's not a lot to hang your hat on and uh, might be grasping for, for small things here and there. But I mentioned this back in August and and I said, look, I don't know what the record's going to be, but I just want to see a team that gets better. I didn't think we'd be this bad. I don't think any of Ram Nation thought we were going to be this bad. But are are we seeing improvement? I think the offense is getting better. I mean, look, the, the offensive line is what the offensive line is. Uh, the freshman receiver, who the freshman receivers are, I mean, the, the roster is what it is. But but I think we're seeing it get better. And and to your point, Mike, what we saw last year under Adazio, we saw the team doing the exact opposite, right? I mean, they, they were getting worse, palpably worse each and every week. So uh I I'm not as I, I I'm not down uh on Jay Norvell. Uh and and I, I I will say this too, and this might be the most important thing. Jay Norvell proved that he could recruit at Nevada. And I, and I think he's a good recruiter and um, I I've, I've seen their, their recruiting setup, and I I've heard Jay talk about recruiting when I've been around him where he's taking phone calls and he's just like, Oh yeah. He goes, look, this, we, we're going to outwork people in recruiting. And I think that's what they did in Nevada with better facilities here at CSU. Um, you know, I, I really hope that this staff can continue to do that. And, and, really start out recruiting most of the teams in the Mountain West Conference because we all know that's that's more than more than half the battle, right? You, you got to have the dudes to go out there and execute the game plans. You can have all the great displays and the offenses you, you have in the world, but if, if you don't got the guys that can line up and flat out win their individual matchups on every given snap, then then you're probably not going to have much of a chance. So, um, you know, I, I'm still optimistic. Uh, I, I think Jay's the right guy. Um, and I, I, you know, we're, we're just going to have to wait and see on that. But I, I get it. I get your I get your frustration, Joel. I mean, look, I, I mean, I, I'm frustrated too. Jay's frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. But uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that that. Jay Norvell is is the right guy, and it's and this it's hard. I mean, it's hard. I mean, and listen, I think, and I was talking to Nico Medved about this actually last night in his office before the uh, Weber State game, and and of course Jay and Nico have become pretty good friends, and so so Nico is more 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 than the five three of his four years, and it's five years now that uh, Nico's here. We we talk CSU football more than we ever have in the previous four years. Uh, because just Nico's more interested and not that he wasn't interested in, but he and Jay have had that relationship. And, you know, he just looked at me and he goes, he goes, it's hard to to change a culture. It's hard. There's so many variables that go into it. And he, you know, as, as Nico pointed out, he goes, when was the last winning season? And he was asking me, he goes, when it's been a long time. I could go Nico. It's 2017. He goes, that's, that's, you know, five years, that's five years of losing. You just don't come in and five years of losing and then just immediately snap it right back into place. And the next thing you know, everybody just expects to win. It does the little things that a winning culture does. And so, you know, it, it was just interesting to hear Nico talk about that, you know, and obviously he's, he's rebuilt programs. He did it at Furman. He started doing it at Drake and he was doing it and he's now doing it here at, at Colorado State. Now, football is a different animal than, than men's basketball. Men's basketball, you're dealing with 13 scholarship kids. Football is 85. I mean, football is a whole different animal. Um, and it's a lot harder. There's a lot more moving pieces, a lot more variables. But, you know, I think I think it was a little perspective from Nico saying, man, it's it's they haven't won in a long time. And so it's hard to turn that around. But I I, I believe in what Jay's doing. And, and certainly I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of class they sign uh, uh, basically a month from tomorrow, right? And then uh, how they fill it out uh, on the first Wednesday of February. You know, you you bring up the, the point on, on changing culture, and, and we're seeing that and why we're losing these games. I mean, you go back to just some of those – on the, the second game of the season, Middle Tennessee State, first play of the game, we throw a pick six, and you just saw the entire program – yeah, heads down, and it was over. And we and we and we start coming back. You know, they 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 kind of start getting through that, and then what? We missed the PAT. 
Yeah. Oh, no, we missed the field goal at the end of half. And then we scored yeah. and we missed the PAT. And they, they, you just saw him cave. You saw three and out against Sac State. Defense, I mean, they're like, what else can we do? And, and, I, and I brought this up with Joel last week. It's so hard whenever you're, you're accustomed to losing. And when something doesn't go, go right, to just – I'm not saying give up because if you give up, you go out there, you're going to get hurt. You can't just, can't just go through the motions in Division One football because you're going to get hurt physically. You know, but it's almost like you just know in the back of your head something's going to go wrong. And that's what happened on Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what happened on Saturday night? What do you think? You know, it's a Wyoming team that came into that game. What that had, that had won four of the last five? Is that five. it? Was five, 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 six, right? Yeah. And so, do you think in the in the second half of that game when they were down thirteen seven that 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 Wyoming bench was like, oh no, here we go? No, man, that that Wyoming bench over there because of what Craig Bulls and so I, mean, I get it. Wyoming's not winning ten games a year and winning Mountain West Conference championships, but. They're winning a lot of football games, and this year they've won a lot of close football games. Guarantee you, every guy standing over there in a Wyoming uniform, even when they were punting it away before the muff, punting it away to a man, every single one of those dudes thought they were going to win that football game. And that just, I mean, that's just, but that's that's not something that you can just say, flip in your mind and say, okay, I'm going to take a winning attitude now. It's something that that has to be grown and 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 experienced uh, to to have that confidence. I mean, confidence just doesn't come, you know, in any of us just by saying, I'm going to be confident today. Well, now you got to earn that confidence, right? You got to you got to walk into your job and and you're going to be confident because you've done the right stuff to be confident. And it, it takes time, especially when you have a collective unit of over a, a hundred eighteen to 22 year olds. So, you know, it's just, um, it's, it, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, but you, you bring up Wyoming. I mean, they got smoked by San Jose state at the beginning of October, but then they beat a New Mexico team where they were down in the third quarter against them and they came back and won. And then, uh, they they beat Hawaii in was it overtime or uh, no they yeah they 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 yeah they it was a close game going into the yeah. fourth quarter and then they just ran all over them in the fourth that's, quarter that's right that's and right. they and they crushed Utah State they just yeah. dismantled Utah State too but it, these these were all you know comparable teams to us yeah. obviously um and you're right they they didn't cave they, they believed didn't their heads down. They, they just kept pushing forward and, and we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, but, you know, I, I will say this. I mean, I, I think, I think this, the CSU players were, were, I mean, every inch of the way, I think they, they felt like they were probably going to win that game, but there's just, you know, when, when you just haven't done it consistently, there's always going to be that little seed of, of, of doubt back in the, in, in the back of your brain. So there was a post on Ram nation on uh late Saturday night, maybe it was Sunday morning, but um, someone said, and maybe seemed like a trivial comment, but he was like, you know what? The one good thing that I saw, and I'm as pissed as ever about losing, but I can't remember the last time I've seen a team like this, that when you watch the sideline, these guys are with each other. They care about each other. They care about the game. They're showing passion. There's enthusiasm. And that's easy. Like just the, it, it seems like just, fan speak but it, it's right i sit on the 35 yard line front row and i i can hear the players talking to each other that's how close we are and there used to be times when the quarterback i mean patty o'brien would not stand with his team austin carter samuels would always stand by himself tyson Teo was never really with you know amongst his his teammates getting people fired up there was like segmented groups of of players on the teams there were, you know, you'd go win your stupid turnover belt and celebrate, you know, your your individual accomplishment there. And now it does feel like a team. So half the battle is being won. And I, I do see some signs of of this team becoming more of a team, which is great. Now you got to figure out how, to, how those guys can can learn to win. But I, you mentioned, and I'm excited about this. We've got 30 plus guys probably they're going to bring in this recruiting class, right? With with the turnover, I know that they just granted what five six. Uh, walk-on scholarships um, yeah. yesterday, but yeah. uh, you're going to have a huge class. So could could be um, as high as forty. I mean, wow, yeah, yeah. that's it's it, it'll it'll be big. So I, I you feel good about the fact that 
hey, this is going to be a great opportunity for Jay at his strength to bring in good players, um, which we need drastically. But when you look at that, are we still next year looking at a pretty significant build? I mean, you're still our strength is our defense. There's a lot of young guys on D, but you're losing two of your best defensive linemen. You know, offensively, offensive line. I don't know if it's a big loss to lose a couple of those linemen, but you're going to have a pretty largely amount of the same players going in next year. Are we are we still looking at a you know a challenge to win six games next year, Brian? You think? Well, I mean, I, I don't think we're going to be competing for the Mountain West Conference Championship next year. Uh, where you know, again, going into this season, I think a lot of us, and and I think our, our excitement, maybe you know, I'm speaking to myself too, and, and fans out there that we kind of got. A little over, you know, uh, 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 over our skis a little bit with our expectations, but yeah, no, I mean, like, look, I mean, I, I don't think Jay is coming in here and looking for the, you know, the quick, the quick fix, right? I mean, I don't think you're going to see them bring in, uh, you know, let's, let's just say they signed 35 players, right, in this next signing class. I don't think you're going to see 15 transfers as as the 35. I, I don't know. Maybe you will. I just don't think that that that's how they really want to go about and doing this. And, and one other, one other thing that Jay's mentioned to me a couple of times is that, um, you know, they may go to the JC market a little bit more than they normally would because um, they feel like it's, it's starting to kind of get overlooked over the last couple of years because of the transfer portal. And uh, because a lot of those power five schools now, instead of going out and grabbing uh, JC kids, they're, they're, they're going into the portal and grabbing those experienced players from there rather than going to the, to, to the junior college and, and getting some guys with, you know, a little bit older that aren't just true freshmen. And, and so, you know, I, I what does that mean? How many they signed out of JC's? I, I don't know that answer either. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think Jay's going to come in here and sign 20 transfers and five JC kids and 10 high school kids. It's just not, not what he's going to do, but they need a ton of line. They need linebackers. They need speed at linebacker. And, and of course you're going to lose Carter and, um, and, uh, and, and Daquan Jackson and Daquan played great, by the way, on Saturday night, he was terrific. Um, you, you, you need offensive linemen, obviously always need defensive linemen, but I, I, I like some of our young defensive linemen that we have, have going. I think that's been one of the biggest bright spots here this season. And then you're going to have to have to have a ton of wide receivers. And, and this is just me speaking and I, I've, nobody's told me anything. I mean, I, I still think you in that, in that transfer portal still have to keep your eyes out for a, for a quarterback of, of some kind, just in, and if there's some kind of right fit, you, 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 you go out and get a, get, get a transfer quarterback to come in and compete with a, with a clay Millen or in Jackson Stratton or however that works out. So, you know, but no, you're right. Joel. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I think, I mean, you, you just don't know how it's going to go, right? Utah state went from one win in 2020 to 11 wins in, in, in 2021 just, I mean, how, I mean, they got, they lucked out in a lot of games. They played well in a lot of games. I mean, it just, it just happened. They caught lightning in a bottle. I don't know if the Rams are going to do that, but uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's going to be a, a, a build. And I think maybe you might be looking at 2023. Um, I mean, I guess I, I guess it's 2024. Got my, what's two years from now? 2024. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. To where, to where it's like, then you kind of see really what, what this Jay Norvell football program looks like. Not to say that there's not going to be, there better be massive improvement next year. Jay would tell you that, but you know, I don't you know, know if you're going to be winning eight games next year. Maybe we will. Let's go. I mean, you even look at this year and, and somebody made the point. Yes, we could be oh and oh and six in Mountain West play right now, but we really could be five and one. I mean, yeah. in, and even looking at that my, uh, middle Tennessee state, you know, I still think that is a game that we should have won. I think if we don't have that pick six to start the game might be completely different and it would have been completely different. So yes, I think we will see improvement. I'm hoping six wins next year. I think that would be huge, especially to get these younger guys that extra practice, you know, and I, and I think we're moving in that direction. I, I think we need, if we have a type of game like we did on Saturday, against Wyoming, against Air Force, that'll be good. And then if we could wrap up the season with a win uh, at home against New Mexico, I think, you know, that puts us on the right foot going into 22 or 23. Well, it's funny. I posted this on Ram Nation uh, yesterday, but um, Sunday I got a call from my son who's a sophomore at Montana State. And he was like, Dad, ESPN College Game Day is coming to Bozeman this week. 
you know, they've got their brawl of the wild uh, game against Montana. And uh, so while I was excited for him, I was like, dude, that's awesome. My own like depression kicked in. <laughs> I was like, I was like, <laughs> as a CSU fan for 30 plus years now, it's just crazy to say, I've never had a college game day at uh, show up for a CSU game road or away. We haven't had a conference championship in 20 years. We've lost six out of the last seven of Wyoming. We're one in 15 against our rivals over the last seven seasons, two and eight this year, meaning we're going to be five years in a row with four or less wins. Uh, it's like, it's like as rock bottom as it gets for CSU fans. And Brian, I know that sometimes I, you get the wrath of my angry post-game texts while you're on air. <laughs> so I, sorry you're saying that. what I'm feeling, man. Right. But you know, um, after the brutal bio loss, you know, you and I were kind of texting wondering why we just can't seem to get over the hump and, and get a win. You know, I, I mentioned, I think we've, talked about this before it's it's literally it's got to be the curse of firing Sonny Lubick I think we are forever going to be punished by it I'm convinced of it we've royally pissed off the the football gods but I was looking at at some of these numbers and and it is is perplexing like when you think about it because now ironically we have now gone 15 seasons since Sonny was fired which, which is the same amount that uh, was the same length of his tenure um, right. So let me give you some numbers and you're going to be convinced that it is a curse over the, over the 15 years that Sonny coached the Rams, he had a record of 108 and 74. It's a 59.3% winning percentage. He won six conference championships in the 15 seasons since Sonny was fired. We've had, we've gone through what five, five coaches trying to replace him. Steve Fairchild, Jim McWayne, Mike Bobo, Steve Adazio, now Jay Norvell. They've accumulated a record of 70 and 97, 97 during that time. So 42% winning percentage. I shouldn't even be throwing in Jim McElwain because he was actually one of the successful guys that we didn't have to fire. He actually went on to greener pastures and made a shit ton of money to go coach in the SEC. But regardless, I'm, I've included his numbers here. And uh, despite all that, it's still 38 fewer wins um, for the post-sunny coaches over that span. Or that's like basically three full seasons of undefeated records. Um They've had zero conference championships and really we're only in contention once that was Jim McElwain, the 10, 10 to three team in 2014. And they didn't even make the conference championship game that year. Sonny had seven seasons of eight or more wins. The five coaches since only one season of eight or more wins. And in an era where bowl games were a little bit harder to get to for Sonny, right? He took them to nine bowl games, the group since Sonny, they face that they've had a third of that, just six bowl game appearances. And it's a lot easier to go to bowl games these years, these days when you basically six wins and you're in, right? So we only won two of those bowl games. Now look at rivalry games. Sonny went 24-19 in rivalry games at, against CU Air Force and Wyoming, 11-4 and four against Wyo, 9-6 and six against Air Force. Since Sonny, 10-30 and, thir 10 and 30 in, in, in rivalry games, 3-9 against CU, 5-10 and 10 against Wyo, 2-11 and 11 against Air Force. Um, Sonny had seven games against FBS opponents, seven and oh coaches since nine and three. So yes, that's three losses to FCS teams since Sonny. It's pretty brutal, you know, and then not to mention the type Could of be four losses. What's that? Four losses. The North Dakota state, uh, Illinois state, South Dakota state, Sac state. Oh, I forgot. I wasn't counting this year. That's I wasn't right. even counting this year. That's right. <laughs> Oh my God. That's so that's worse. All right. So then you consider the kind of guys that we've employed since then. He had, you know, greasy Jim McElwain who had one foot out the door since he arrived, although he was successful and I liked him. Uh, you had Mike Bobo, nice guy, but didn't really connect well to the local, local community in five years. I don't think he did a quarter of the things Jay Norvell has done to connect with the fan base, um, you know, in less than a year here. And then you had Steve Adazio abrasive to the media and everybody and was widely disliked by the fan base. Um, it's been a joke. And then you consider that last point was you consider the salaries, the finances during Sonny's career in his first, his first five-year contract when he was hired away from Miami in 1993, had a base salary of a hundred thousand dollars annually. So obviously that went up incrementally a little bit over the years, his final year in 20, uh, 2007, he made 530,000 as a base salary. So in his, basically in his 15 years as a head coach at CSU, he's probably made five to six million dollars total in base salary something like that that's what csu has been forced to pay in buyouts of coaches since sunny's firing roughly what 5.7 million dollars 
So like, it is just insane when you think about all that. Worst part about this is we've actually spent money trying to improve the situation. We've invested so much money into, into coaches since Sonny, basically tripling head coaches' salaries, vastly boosting assistant salaries, and we've gotten zero out of it. I mean, remember Sonny making about $500,000 a year at his peak. Under Bobo, you were paying Will Friend, an offensive line coach, essentially $500,000. So, you know, and you pay lackluster coaches like Bobo and Adazio $1.8 and $1.5 million a year, respectively. It just, those are sums that it just took Sonny years to earn. So is it the curse of firing Sonny that all this has gone wrong? I think 100%. I mean, the numbers speak for itself. It's just, it's truly remarkable. And, and we joke about it, but I mean, you, you almost... At the time when things were going bad for three or four years in a row, and I remember actually talking with Paul Kowalczyk about this off record, and he's like, you know, the one time I walked into the recruiting board, and if you saw the recruiting board, it just was real meager, and I just felt like I had to make a move. And, you know, at the time, you just kind of like, well, we'll see, but you, you hated it, hated doing that to Sonny, and now look, don't you just wish that they could have just had the foresight to say, look, let's invest the funds now, let's build what Sonny needs facilities and all that stuff and pay him and let him turn around. He, he, he deserves that. And we didn't do it that way. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it looked a little different, right? I mean, that, that's, that's impressive research, Joel. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that. And I know that you based on our text messages over the last decade have had that theory for a long time. And you know what? I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's too far fetched. I mean, like there, there's plenty of times you bring it up and it's just like, dude, he's right. And I, I've said that self to my, I've said that to myself many times where I see your text, like it's the curse of Sonny. I'm like, damn. I mean, I, I, I don't have anything to counter that argument, man. I think it's the curse of the trombone suicide. Could be. I know. you. <laughs> when did that go away? Oh man. Right about, uh, we were still at Hughes. Locked upside the head. 2014. Something like that. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I still go back to that uh 2017 season, which should have been a 10 win season. That was a really, really good team. And I just I just remember going in against Air Force being six and two in the season. Your two losses were against Colorado on phantom offensive pass interference calls and against number one Alabama, where you played them pretty tough. Okay. So six and two. You're a 14-point favorite against a very average Air Force team at, at uh, Canvas Stadium, and you can't force them to punt and you lose. That was the same Air Force team that went home the next week. You got shut out 21-nothing against Army. Then the next week, of course, again, you go to Wyoming. There's the blizzard. Wyoming's an awful offensive team, good defensive team. We're all offense with an okay defense. You lose that with Josh Allen. And then, of course, the following week was that Boise game we brought up earlier. And it just seemed to set in motion. It has not stopped snowballing since that three-game stretch. Yep. That's my fault. I missed that Air Force game. I went to Belize for a wedding. Uh, okay, there you go. It's the curse of Mike Rowe now, then. Now you we now have, know I who to blame. Now All the blame. <laughs> I literally, I landed on that Friday and then went up to Wyoming. So I went from Belize to that blizzard in Laramie. Oh, uh, in what a shock to the hours. system. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, one, one more football question. Um, what do you expect Saturday night against another rival, Air Force, who's CSU's lost five straight against? It's also a place where we haven't won on the road since then. Believe it or not, the night my firstborn was born 20 years ago in 2022. Um, <laughs> so I, I remember watching that game in the delivery room <laughs> and, you know, it was kind of calming wow. to me. I was like, wow, you know, we had it on, we had it on silent, you know, as I was you're doing great, honey. You're doing great, honey. And, and kind of watching uh, Cecil Sapp run for touchdowns, but um, never in a million years would I have imagined we wouldn't win again at Falcon stadium since then. But uh, what's, uh, what are you expecting, Brian? How do you, can you stop that rushing game? I mean, um, we haven't seen it in, in five years. So, I mean, I, I'm not expecting I like our defense. I mean, it, it, listen, I mean, the defense has played 
really, really well the last two weeks. And what they held Wyoming to 232 yards on Saturday. You, you need to win those football games when you do that. Air Force is another beast. You know, I started doing my um, charts here today. And I mean, I th- this series has just been brutal for CS. You mentioned last time that that they won was 2002. Um, last one in the series came in 2015 when the Rams, uh, you know, won with um, uh, Mike Bobo's first year. But how about this? Uh, it, it, here's how I look at this game on, on Saturday. And, and I've been very impressed with Freddie Banks and and I hope Freddie Banks had come up with a, with the game plan to stop him because we haven't stopped air force in seemingly forever. Since like Um, Larry Kerr days. Yeah. The, the last time that we have held air force under 20 points, I was just doing the stuff today. Um, We've held them to under 20 points one time in the last 20 years since 2000, uh, 2000, Two. It was 2013. We we smacked them that year with McCoyne 58 13. It was one of the worst Air Force teams I had ever seen like, come into come into Fort Co- Yeah, they were terrible. I mean, had no business being on the field that day. That's the only time we've held them under 20 points in the last 20 years. In that span, Air Force has scored 30 or more points 11 times, and they've scored 40 or more points seven times. And so I look at this game coming up on Saturday and we've only held this air force offense. Okay. Under Fisher DeBerry and now under uh, uh, Troy Calhoun to under 20 points one time in the last 20 years. And unfortunately we have not scored more than 20 points all season long. So, um, you know, <laughs> I guess I would say I'm not optimistic, but I like this group. I like the way they fight. Uh, and you know, it doesn't air force got shut down at boy against Boise, uh, and the rushing attack got shut down by this Wyoming team. We saw last week, they held air force to 175 total yards and air force had some injuries on the offensive side, but you know, I mean, I, I just don't see air force coming out and, and not scoring 21, 24, 28 points on Saturday. I mean, I think if you hold air force to 24 points, our defense is doing a great job. Question is, are, are, are we going to be able to score 24 points and our offense has yet to do that this year? Well, Mike has, Mike has said multiple times this year, back up the, the Brinks truck, unload it all for Freddie Banks because he's um, he has been a bright spot for this staff and this program. And actually maybe one of the good things about being two and eight and maybe if uh, Air Force runs all over us, he'll be below the radar of anybody, uh, any of these bigger, bigger programs coming in, trying to steal them away from us. But um He's the real deal, by the way. He he's is the real deal. Oh, he's man. a great, great guy. And obviously pushing the right buttons with this, this defense. All right. Let me pause real quick and talk about ginger and Baker. This is a fantastic place. My favorite place. It's got two great restaurants, the cash, which is a modern Colorado steakhouse offering steaks and chops, fine wine and good whiskey. The other is the cafe, which features a new take on farm to table, American comfort food classics. Ginger and Baker also features a coffee shop, bakery, event spaces, market, and a teaching kitchen. Hey, if you're looking for something new and fun for the holidays, why not book a private cooking class in the teaching kitchen? Perfect for holiday parties, family and friend gatherings, or even team building. Please support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at Ginger and Baker. Um, all right, I know uh, you got to get running here soon, so let's switch over to basketball. Uh, Rams. Whipped Weber State last night, which probably, I mean, looked looked like the best defensive performance of the year. Um, and three games into the season, even though we really haven't played an upper echelon opponent yet, you can you can see the hallmarks of a Nico Medved team kind of taking hold, the defense, the ball movement. They're mentally tough. Um, they come from behind when they need to. They come up with a big play when the game's on the line, um, so far anyway. Um, it's encouraging to see that, those those things early on with so many pieces Um, that are new this year and without, you know, your leader, your senior leader, point guard, Isaiah Stevens. So um, what has caught your eyes so far? Um, Well, I I would say this. I I like the new pieces and let's start with, um, let's just start with Tavy Jackson, right? The freshman out of Las Vegas. I mean, you know, I think Nigon brought it up last night saying, man, this, this guy just, just doesn't seem phased by anything. You know, here he is getting thrown into division one basketball and just watch the coolness and the calmness that he, that he walks on the court. I mean, he ain't afraid of anybody out there on the court. I mean, hell, he, 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 he tried to throw down a baseline dunk last night. That might've been a little ill-advised, took off a little too early, but you know, he's, he's trying to drive baseline. And then he's kind of 
you know, tilting his body like Jordan trying to throw down a dunk against uh, Dinwiddie, the San Diego State transfer kid that's been in Division One basketball for three years. So, yeah, I, I like the moxie, right? And But you just love his athletic ability, the length that he has, and, again, that 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 mentality that he has. And one of the reasons why he wanted to come to CSU is because he was going to be able to play uh, behind Isaiah Stevens and it was going to be a chance to learn from – Again, one of the best to ever do it here at, at Colorado State. And then just love the way he's able to, to maneuver through the lane on drives. And he seems to be, and I've only watched him for three games now, a really good finisher at the at the rim. So I'm I'm excited about him. Uh, yeah, I think Patrick Cartier in the end is going to be an upgrade over Deshaun Thomas. So so you've switched those two out. I'm kind of comparing us to last year, right? So so Jackson comes in. Yeah, I I, I like what he's going to provide as a backup guard spot. I think Cartier is an upgrade over Daquan Jackson, and uh, he's going to have his deficiencies uh, on defense this year uh, as he gets into the division division one game, making that uh, you know uh, making that transition. Um, I. I like Josiah Strong. I know we haven't seen him yet. He is an upgrade over Kendall Moore. So you're you're making these upgrades at spots. Backup point guard, you know, you, the that four spot with Cartier, the two spot with Strong, those are all upgrades. Obviously, you don't have David Roddy, who's in the NBA, and that's a big, big person to to not replace, but but to fill in around that that gap. So I mean, listen, Jalen Lake is phenomenal, and and I think he's going to get better and better and better each and every game. He's such a bright, bright kid. He's smart, good defensive player, moves his feet. The shot's going to be there, and I don't think there's any question. I'd like to see him maybe be a little more aggressive off the bounce. Isaiah Rivera looks like a, a different player than what we've seen in, in previous years. James Moore is going to be James Moore. You just need him to be solid defensively, right, to be able to score around the rim when he gets his opportunities there. So I, I I like the team a lot. I really do. And and when Isaiah Stevens comes back, you know the, the, they're they're going to take some lumps because you know Heb and and Jackson in the backcourt when when they have struggled in the first three games, they've been turning the ball over, right? And and Heb's been turning it over. That that not just Heb and Jackson, but those are the two point guards. And you know that, that's that's where they've struggled when they haven't turned the ball over in the first three games. Rams have played pretty well. So but those two guys and and Jackson in particular is going to be much more battle tested by the time that Isaiah Stevens comes back, that he's going to be a better player because of the Stevens injury. So um, I, I like the team. I, I don't know what the ceiling is yet, but I know they're going to get a step up in competition on, uh, on Thursday against South Carolina though. I'm looking forward to that, that game. I, I like that matchup you know, South Carolina's young and they got a couple of big guys, but I mean, they're young, so it'll be good. Um, like you said, you compare last year's team you can, uh, compared to the new guys coming in. Tavi, 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 it's awesome to listen to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Because it's never the same. Nigon always has to correct himself. Right? Yeah, he, it's, he, it's, it's Tavi, yes. I know Nigon, Nigon's had Tavi in his head all summer. And he's telling me, he's like, I can't get it out of my head. As a broadcaster, you have certain dudes that you just want to call some way, and it's so hard not to do it. <laughs> He said he said it differently in the same sentence. <laughs> My wife and I were laughing. It was it was amazing. I like I said, I think he needs to go the soccer route and just have that on his name. The name, yeah. the Nene route. But, uh, you know, you look you look at what he's bringing. You're right. He's not afraid. He's not afraid to take it to the hole. He's not afraid to pass. He'll he'll try to get it through the smallest windows. And I think our our guys are trying to adjust to that you know that first game he talked about the the two turnovers he had you know I thought both of them should have been caught Tanjay had a a, what I thought was going to be an easy layup when he was cutting through two defenders and and it just it got to him quick I mean the way the ball explodes out of his hands is I haven't I haven't seen that in I don't know if ever at CSU I mean it just it's it just explodes out of him and, and gets there. I love that. I, I like his defense. And I like how he's getting getting the, the rebounds. And that's something that we didn't see last year with Kendall and and with, oh, man, I'm trying to think. You know, Thistlewood moving up there a little bit and, and, and Tanjay and his role there. I think he brings a different dimension that we didn't have last year. Um, Cartier, yeah, I, I think he is an improvement over Deshaun, even though Deshaun's tearing it up first two games with Montana and I'm so happy for him. Uh, that's, that's awesome to see, 
him playing with his brother, you know, but I love the way Cartier finishes, you know, he's so smooth underneath the basket and, and getting his shot. And I would like to see him a little bit more in that in, coming, coming up earlier, uh, maybe have seen Morse coming off the bench, but I love seeing why him Jalen Lake to me is just, he has moved into that Chandler Jacobs role kind of doing everything he can score he gets the boards he's getting those assists I absolutely love his game right now and you can see it he looks like a different human you know he doesn't have that baby face anymore like he just is thick and and same with Rivera um the one thing I would like to see right now though is is Tanjay playing within himself I think he's trying to to push a little bit too much with Stevens out think he's forcing forcing shots and and you saw when last year whenever he was getting his whenever he would kind of take over a game in you know mid game it was whenever he was getting that slashing he wasn't creating he was getting those passes so I'd like to see him a little bit more play within himself um but there's not a lot there's not a lot of negatives that we're seeing right now with this team and and it, it, you know, it goes to what you talked about, Nico Medved changing the culture of a program. And we have we have guys that are 100 percent bought in. You know, they are CSU Rams. And, you know, he lost. We lost four guys last year to transfer. And we got four new guys coming in to fill them. And we haven't missed a beat as far as how the team is. I think one thing that has happened in all three games is we've gone some pretty significant stretches without a bucket, like four and five minutes. I feel like I hear you saying that all the time. <laughs> and I don't know if that's just, you know, you're missing your, your, your point guard who can facilitate easy buckets when you need to, when things are going rough, but uh, that's something we're going to have to see improve a little bit. Um, as we go into the Charleston classic, um, you mentioned Josiah strong, hopefully he can continue to um, get more minutes as he recovers from mono, which is funny. I mean, isn't mono supposed to be like one of the most contagious, like colds or whatever you call it. I mean, and, and, with all the COVID stuff we have, but he can go out on yeah. court and play with his teammates and he can play. It's like, it. it's so he doesn't have mono anymore. It's like a lingering effect from mono okay. with like, and, and from what I was told, you know, he, he played in the Minnesota scrimmage and then played in the first half of the uh, exhibition game against Metro state. And then, yeah, Nico just filed, told me that he, he took himself out and just didn't feel good. Didn't feel right. And then at practice, like the next day just was going and then, and then again, didn't feel right. Right. You know, just like maybe a little dizzy, lightheaded and stuff. And so they just had to, had to hold him out. Well, Brian, I know you're traveling to the, uh, the Charleston classic, the CSU air force football game. That's going to command your yeah. attention, but, um, Come on. against South Carolina Thursday and yes. then they'll play either Davidson or Charleston in game two. And then, could face anywhere from Penn State, Vautech, Old Dominion, or Furman in game three. Around the Mountain West, sure hoping the Mountain West doesn't mirror the horrific football season that we've had. I mean, the uh, so far the league has had some rough losses in basketball. Air Force at home to Texas A&M Commerce. Good Lord. <laughs> what? Uh, Wyoming loses at home to Southeastern Louisiana two days after we beat them at home. Fresno loses to UC Santa Barbara. Not horrible. Boise, loses Boise, to Boise bounced State back at home. That's a, I mean, South Coast State's not bad, but Boise State's kind of one of your your powerhouses in your league that's expected to challenge for the conference title. You can't lose that game at home. Air Force loses to Bowling Green. That's they won 13 games last year. And you only had we haven't really had any marquee matchups yet. San Diego State beat BYU. Utah State beat Bradley. Okay, win uh, tonight. There's San San Diego State's at Stanford. New Mexico is at. SMU and UNLV host Dayton. So starting to pick up the, the bigger games here. Brian, um, CSU Sports Insider podcast every Wednesday. You're going to have Jim Arthur on your podcast tomorrow to preview the game, or what do you got? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have Jim on the podcast. Jim is a uh, one of those veteran voices in our league, so he's been seemingly calling Falcons football and basketball for a long time. So, yeah, we'll have him. And then, you know, I, I cover all the uh, sports at CSU. So I was over on campus today, and I just want to give a shout-out to uh, Andrew Epperson, the uh, head coach of the Colorado State cross-country team. They qualified both the men's and the women's team to the uh, NCAA championships. There's only First time they've ever events. done that, right? 
Uh, no, first time since 2004. And right. it's a fifth. Well, so first time, yeah, that both teams went in the same year, first time since 2004. And then Andrew told me it was the fifth time ever it's happened at, at CSU. But th- there's only 31 men's teams, 31 women's teams. Okay, that, that's going to the Dan City Championships. That's a huge, huge deal. It's down in Stillwater coming up on Saturday. ESPN3 is going to have it. I think the men run at 820 Mountain Time and the women uh, at 910. Actually, it's flipped. The women are earlier. So, but anyway, I just, uh, so I have a conversation with him. He gives us a preview of the NCAA Championships and uh, the cross country track programs at CSU. Obviously, um, great things going yep. on there. So, well, for those of you who don't listen to CSU Insider, like and subscribe. He always Brian always tells you to do that, but he's got a great yeah. show. I never miss never miss an episode. He's got great interviews on football and basketball, but also, as he just said, uh, all great stuff on the Olympic sports as well. You can also check out his Ram conversation segments on YouTube. Really good stuff. All that in depth stuff. I love. Um, so, Brian, appreciate your time, brother. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I appreciate you guys having me on and. Uh, Listen, it's going to get better for CSU football. Keep the faith, Ram fans. It's, it's going to get better. Ledge. We're going to see an improvement next year. Then by the time we get to 2024, we're going to win eight, nine games. 2025, we're taking down a conference championship, and, and we're going to the college football playoff, baby. All right. Thank <laughs> like you. Love it. Love it. have i been hitting the booze already yes it is 5 10 at night right so i'm not apologizing for that five Five o'clock here that's right all right right, thanks thanks guys i appreciate it thanks Thanks for being on with us man all right that was brian roth always good to catch up with him great dude does a great job on the broadcast great voice of the csu rams michael thank you for your time thanks everybody for listening oh man i hope uh I hope we can finish the season on a positive note here. Such a dagger to lose to Wyoming. Sure, it would be nice if you could be one of your rivals. It's going to be tough, obviously. We've outlined all the reasons why you just don't win down in the Springs. But, fingers crossed. Got to keep the hope. Thanks for everybody. Thanks for all the time you spent on Ram Nation and all your support of the Rams. Have a great rest of your week. Go Rams.